When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to the Love Tennis Podcast. It usually would be a podlet, but this is an extended edition because given the drama that took place last night, we thought we had to come on and do a lot of talking about it. Everyone else has been talking about it. Why can't we? My name's James Gray. I'm from iNewspaper and iNews.co.uk. I've got Calvin Betton, our resident tennis coach, in tow, and we hope later to be joined by George Belshaw as well. Uh, There was only one place to be last night, and amazingly, it wasn't centre court. It was, in fact, number one court, where Stefanos Tsitsipas and Nick Kyrgios duked it out. Uh, They had a tennis match, they had a shouting match, and then they came into press conferences and had a slagging match. It was, I don't think this is an exaggeration to say, one of the most remarkable nights of tennis and associated events that I've certainly ever been at live. Um, I'm sure there have been more dramatic evenings, but I cannot remember them. The the place to start is that Nick Kyrgios beat Stefanos Tsitsipas in four sets in a Wimbledon third round, which in itself is quite a momentous result. Uh, he lost the opening set in a tie-break and then came back and won it uh, 6-7, 6-4, 6-3, 7-6. The final tie-break was truly mighty. Kyrgios played some brilliant tennis. Uh, the forehand was firing. The serve was clutch. And he proved what a tennis player he can be when certain things aren't happening. But unfortunately... There were lots of certain things to talk about as well, and we'll get into them just now. Um, I, I think maybe the the place to start for people who, you know, it was a Saturday night, lots of people were out. I know a, a percentage of the podcast were out. Um, I think we should maybe just run through exactly what happened in an effort to kind of fill people in. Um, the first incident, I mean, look, Nick Kyrgios is always spoiling for a fight, we know this. The first incident came at 5 all, I think in the second set, uh, when... A line judge came and told on Kyrgios to Dumasoir, uh, Damien Dumasoir, the umpire, the unenviable job. Uh, and then in the same game, Kyrgios hit a big serve, Stefanos Tsitsipas got it back, and Kyrgios was about to just put away a simple forehand and Tsitsipas challenged the serve. As happens quite regularly, the serve was in any way, Kyrgios hit a winner, he was winning the point, but he told Dumasoir that this is not how it's supposed to be. He says, you know what that's called? Abuse of the system. We thought that was going to be the big flashpoint. It was not. Uh, at the end of the second set, Stefan Sitsipas hit a ball away in anger. It hit a wall in the stadium. It rebounded. Maybe it hit someone. Maybe it didn't. I haven't seen a video that suggests it did hit someone. Uh, Nick Kyrgios insists that he has. It, actually, by the rules, incidentally, it's irrelevant. But that's not the hint there. Um, he told the umpire he should be defaulted. He had a lengthy argument with Dumasoir. Over probably the next four sit-downs, he called for the supervisor. The supervisor came out and, as they always do, uh, said nothing different. Nick then said, bring all the supervisors. I'm not done until we get to the bottom of this. What he was trying to get to the bottom of, I don't know. Um, And then, inevitably, that kind of got into Tsitsipas' head a bit, uh, as a lot of things tend to do, frankly. Uh, He started trying to hit Kyrgios at almost every opportunity. There were, I think, at least four 
Uh, he certainly connected with him once. At one point, he was so focused on trying to hit Kyrgios that he missed the court and lost the point. Uh, and then when Kyrgios hit an underarm serve, he actually got there and probably could have made the return, but instead says he tried to hit Kyrgios again and missed him by so far that he hit the scoreboard uh, and was given his second ball abuse code violation, having been coded for the one at the end of the second set, which resulted in a point penalty, and he then had his own argument with Damien Dumasoir. Um That was kind of the whole ins and outs of it. I mean, Calvin, let's just deal with kind of the on-court stuff. I mean... It feels like they're both in the wrong here. In many ways, it was compelling viewing, but at the same time, it was just a bit embarrassing, to be honest. Um, this wasn't... I've seen a few people likening it to the sort of McEnroe-Connors matches back in the day, but it wasn't that because those guys have multiple Grand Slams between them, whereas these two haven't won anything in the big picture of things. And it was also a different kind of argument. I'll I'll come to it later, but... I've seen a few people sort of comparing what how Kyrgios is to McEnroe, and it's completely different on many levels. But, yeah, they were both in the wrong, except for I do think Kyrgios was right. Uh, Pass should have been defaulted. Mm. It, I don't think it actually hits anybody, but it definitely goes straight between two people's faces. Mm. And I, th- I can't see any sense in the logic that if... It goes if he's lucky enough for it to go straight between two people's faces. It is no punishment, and if it clips one of them, it's default. Hmm. Like that doesn't make any logic. I think that, so. Having read the Grand Slam handbook this morning, um, or sorry, last night in quite some detail to remind myself of it, is that you know everyone's like, oh, if it hits someone, that's a default. That's the rule. I mean, that's simply not the rule. Um, the rules are quite well, not woolly but they're pretty grey in that they say hitting a ball away or outside the court or inside the court in a negligent or violent or reckless way is ball abuse and that results in a code you know in the the point penalty schedule the the kind of caveat to all that is that there's also an agreement that the referee and the umpire can come together and decide that an incident is so serious that a single violation of the code can result in a default there's nothing that says if it hits someone if it hits an umpire it's a judgment call right and i don't know i the the likening to djokovic i think is wrong i think it's right that we defend officials you know as much as we can because i think for example football um they they have a refereeing crisis no one wants to be a football referee at grassroots level because they treat them so badly. And I'm not saying that tennis is in that situation yet, but if this became the norm that treating officials and supervisors and umpires like this, I think you might start to see people go, actually, I don't want to be a tennis umpire because actually I don't want this 17-year-old kid who thinks he's Nick Kyrgios like, just screaming at me all the time. Calvin, you may say that at grassroots level, umpires are stricter and just wouldn't tolerate this stuff. Uh, it... I don't know if that's the case, but look, in the first round, Nick Kyrgios lost the first set to Paul Jubb and absolutely leathered a ball out of the stadium, but didn't he didn't miss the stadium by that much. Hmm. By his logic, he'd have been disqualified after hmm. losing the first set to Paul Jubb. Hmm. It was reckless. He leathered a ball a lot harder than um, than Tsitsipas did in the direction of the crowd. Now, he purposefully aimed it over the crowd, hmm. but I don't see how the two things are different. But it's also the way that he argues. Like in the first in the first instance when he spoke to the umpire, he initially said, Are you dumb? Yeah. And then kept calling him dumb. Like he's just an idiot. He also he's kept an... calling him bro, which really annoyed me. Yeah. He really bro, he just he's just a bum. <laughs> now, no matter what we can we can come to discussing his tennis, which is is good on the large scheme of things, it's not that good. <laughs> I'm talking on the large scheme of things like the person who he's compared to. Yeah, which is McEnroe, it's not remotely good. It's pretty average mm. what he does. But you know, in the scheme of things, here in a in a weakened Wimbledon draw, he's he's quite a good player. He might go on to the latter stages. But I, I would I wish I had put it to him last night. I hadn't really thought of that hitting the ball out of the stadium. But as you say, I was on court when he did that, and he smashed it. 
and it, it I reckon it landed on Somerset Road, which is outside the actual yeah. like site. If it had hit someone on Somerset Road, does Nick Kyrgios think he should have been defaulted? That's that's yeah. that's a question I would have liked him to answer because he got into a big to and fro with Eleanor Crooks of the the Press Association, um, who you know gave as good as she got and wanted to get an answer to her question, where her point was that players don't usually get defaulted for hitting a ball away, at, you know, for ball abuse at the end of a set, which happens, let's face it, quite regularly, and. You know, does Nick think that she should? And Kyrgios decided that he wanted to know what she thought. Um, and Eleanor said, "Well, no, no, I'm asking you." Uh, and eventually, she said, "Well, actually, I think it should be a default." And she, he's like, "Right, well, you answered your own question. You obviously don't agree with it." And and that annoyed me because actually, it was Nick Kyrgios's press conference. Like he sits there and we ask him questions and he answers them. It's not really it, people don't care what we think. Like I like Eleanor; she's nice, but no one cares what she thinks about the default rule. <laughs> Yeah, but also I think it needs to be said that Nick Kyrgios is pretty thick. Like, let's be straight up about it. He thinks that he's really intelligent, but he's, there's no logic or there's no anything to any of his arguments. I think he's, he's. I think he. I think it might be unfair to call him thick. I think he, when he's like when the blood's up and like on court and frankly in press conference, I think you're right. I think he makes poor arguments. They're not logical. They don't stand up, and he. He does that kind of teenager thing of just picking a point to dig in, and he does. And last night, he basically spent most of the press conference saying, I don't understand what I've done wrong. Tell me what I've done wrong, which was pretty childish. His, when, when he's compared to McEnroe, which is the obvious, I guess in many ways, it's the obvious comparison. If you go back to McEnroe's tantrums, mm. the word that was always used then, they were always to do with blind call. It was always he thought he'd been robbed of points online calls. It has to be said he was often right as well on those types of things, but that he didn't have the benefit of Hawkeye. Kyrgios never argues with line calls because we can't. There's, there's Hawkeye now. He's got this constant obsession. He's got two obsessions on two obsessions whenever he's playing. One is about code violations that he gets and that other people don't get. I'm still yet to see him ever get a code violation for something he shouldn't obviously have got a code violation for. <laughs> and I've still seen him on numerous occasions not get code violations when he really should. Mm. The other obsession he's got is that everyone involved in tennis is rubbish at what they do. Yeah. From umpires, line judges, ball kids, waiters, tournament organizers, governing bodies, other players. Everybody in tennis is crap at what they do other than him. Mm. And I don't know why he still hangs around because he hates it. He hates everyone involved in it. I don't know why he just doesn't sod off. It's actually a quite good point. I don't really understand why Nick Kyrgios plays tennis. He said he said last night, I asked him a question about, you know, whether they'd be friends again because he on the court afterwards, he said, you know, I've got the utmost respect for Stefanos. He also mentioned Petros, which I thought would make you laugh, Calvin. He says, I'm close with his brother and, um, you know, I love him. And I have the utmost respect for him. And I said, look, you, you said these things on court. And then the last 20 minutes, it feels like, because he was in, impressed straight after Stefanos. And we'll come on to what Stefanos said later. And I said, do you think you'll just brush this off and you'll be friends in two days? And he said, I don't care. When I'm back home and you see my everyday and who I'm competing with on the basketball court, these guys are dogs. The people I'm playing at Wimbledon, they're not. He's that soft to come in here and say I bullied him, which is what he said. We're not cut from the same cloth. I go up against guys who are true competitors. If he's affected by that today, then what's holding him back? Because um, He talks about Stefanos some more. I don't really understand why he's playing tennis if he's so keen on his... He's, he's absolutely deluded. He's, he's, he's not all there. Like this stuff about <laughs> the people I play basketball with, what, in your pickup game? Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> like, what, I, I guarantee... He's, right, so on that basis, right, what... I guarantee he's not going down on the streets of Philadelphia and playing <laughs> basketball down there. He's playing with... We, if he, The guy goes round with an entourage of yes-men. Yeah. Like, he doesn't have a coach or anyone. I've seen him there at the tournament. No one in his little posse has... For anyone who's, for anyone who's ever seen entourage, the people in Nick Kyrgios's posse make Turtle look like a genuine, hard-working human being. They're just—he's full. He's got this little entourage, this harem of yes men who follow him round, and he's talking about the people I play pickup basketball with. He's not a basketball player. What's he talking about? I think he wishes he were. Um, uh, look, I mean, I was going to say I wish he were as well, but 
that actually gives us something to talk about. And actually, that brings me on to the big question that I've written down. Is Nick Kyrgios good for tennis? Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, probably. Gets people, you know, people talk about, although I think we think that he's more important than he is. I, I was out with a few people last night when the match was going on. He, he, you know, a couple of people passed a couple of comments, but there were about 20 of us out, men and women, and no one really cares for him. No one, everyone just thinks he's a bit of a dick. Mm. Like, you know. I think he gets eyeballs on the sport. You can't deny that. Um, everyone will be talking about it today, uh, about him. He's going to play again on Monday. Everyone will be talking about that. Um, I think... For the most part, that's a good thing. But do we really want people to think that this is what tennis is? I don't know. Do people think this is what tennis is? I don't know as well. But He's he's good for the game, James. He's good for the game in when he plays. Mm. He doesn't play enough. He's not in the tournaments enough. He's not around enough. It's like saying, it's like having a striker at football who's very, very good, but he only plays four games a season. Mm. Like, can you say he's good for the team? Like, yeah, yeah, I, I think that's probably a good point. Um, he he's kind of alluded to it himself. You know, we said someone said how how good are you? What's been holding you back? And he said, I just don't play enough at the moment to be an established top ten player. I'd have to be going deep every week. I don't even look at the rankings. I felt like the favourite today. Um, I, which I don't know if he was the favourite, but. He certainly had the ability to win. I mean, let's talk about his tennis. Uh, he is now going to play Brandon Nakashima in the next round and then either Christian Garin or Alex de Manure. Um On that basis, I think he's probably a favourite to make the semi-finals and then play Rafa Nadal. It, it, let's just say, for the sake of argument, that he plays his best tennis in every match. Does he, does he beat Rafa Nadal, for example? Is his best tennis enough to beat Rafa Nadal? It depends how... If Nadal's injured, if Nadal's not injured. No, hmm. Nadal's just better than him. He's not. He, th- he thinks he's better than what he is. He's not. He might not be far off if he says if he played all the time, he'd be a top ten player. I yeah. don't think he'd be a top six or seven player. I don't know if his body would hold up though. That's the thing because yeah. you know he he quit doubles this week before it started because he said he didn't think his body would cope. He pulled out. Uh, in Mallorca again because he felt that he was just reaching the edge of, of getting injured. You know, he he has a pretty extensive injury record. That's the, the sort of truth of it. He doesn't and, train. Well, yeah, I suppose that doesn't help. But you wonder if he trained, would he just be injured more? I don't know. I, uh, I mean, he's a big guy. He's, you know, you look at his build. He's got, apart from his horrible posture, mm. he has he's got the, pretty much the the perfect build for the modern day tennis player. Yeah. In terms of height and you know, just his 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 size is is good for tennis. There's no reason why if he was fully committed that he that his body wouldn't hold up. But his body doesn't hold up because he doesn't train. Is the serve is this like when you look at the serve, do you think that's a serve that's gonna break down in terms of injury? Like there are some serves you look at like no. No, he's. I mean, his service world class. Mm. He has. I've, I've said before. He has. It's one of the top fifteen serves of all time. Mm. I, I think it, it's an astonishing sight in full flow. Yeah. Um, and he hits spots on it at will that other players can't. And that that kind of covers it up. I think a lot of people would like like us to think that he's he's great outside the serve. His forehand's quite good. He's got his backhand. He has nice feel on it. But if he didn't have the serve, if his serve was ten percent worse than it is. He, he wouldn't be a top 150 player. Hmm. He, he, I mean, you mentioned how, how well he hits his spots. There was a pretty amazing game last night at, uh, I think it was 3-4, and I think it must have been the fourth set, where Kyrgios was kind of losing his head a little bit because he just failed to break Tsitsipas, and he went love 40 down, and you just felt that he was going to do something really clutch. And sure enough, he won four, uh, five points in a row and uh, won the game and it was just hitting spots and you couldn't predict the serve Sitsipas was guessing by the end and guessing wrong and even when he guessed right you couldn't get it back and it just it just it was that little moment where I just removed myself from all the nonsense and I was like can you imagine what this guy would be like if we didn't have all the nonsense around him but then I sort of counter myself and say is he able is it possible for him to even play 
like this and and be a normal human being? Or is actually everything that he does is a reaction to the stress of the situation? Uh, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I, 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 but I, I've said before, though, I think it's a cop-out. I think it's always him making an excuse. That's, again, it's another difference with McEnroe. When McEnroe had his tantrums, he was obsessed with winning. Mm. He had no other thought in his mind other than winning the matches, and he thought people were preventing him from winning. He thought other people's incompetence, namely line judges and umpires, were preventing him from winning. I think Kyrgios does all this as some sort of get-out should he lose. Yeah, I, someone said to me last night, someone texted me and said, crikey, you know, the, the stomach on Kyrgios to do what he's doing on, like, this point or that point, you know, to play this underarm or to hit these shots. And I actually said, well, actually, he's not got a lot to be afraid of because he's created this mindset for himself where, as you say, Calvin, if he loses, it's not his fault. Yeah. So actually, when you've got that and when it's really well reinforced, what is there to be afraid of? Because if you lose, you can blame someone else and you know it's not your fault. And if you win, great. So actually, it's it's kind of genius. Like, it's a bit like Djokovician in its kind of siege mentality and you know I guess Djokovic doesn't make excuses in the same way Kyrgios does but there's certainly that kind of very powerful Tom Brady-esque everyone's against me and I think that's a very effective mindset uh yeah in a way but again he doesn't win enough to, to be saying that does mm. it you need to if, if you're going if you want to be entered into that sort of pantheon of of people who do that you've got to win more he doesn't hardly win Mm. Like he doesn't. He doesn't hardly play, and he hardly ever wins. And he also goes onto the court. I don't. I don't know anyone else I've seen who actively goes onto the court and creates arguments out of nothing. Yeah, that, but that, that's that's why I think he needs it. That's why I think it's just part of how he plays. And and but also, what are his solutions to these things? Like 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 we say, he hates everyone. He thinks everyone's rubbish, and he thinks we should let him do it. But he also goes around saying he doesn't care about it. So what? So we should let him run tennis, but he doesn't care about tennis. Yeah, that that's brilliant. We should let him decide how things, how the umpires work. Like what 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 is his problem with umpires and line judges, mm. and Hawkeye and the other players? Yeah, quite. Um, let's talk a bit about Stefan Sitsipas because there were actually um, two players involved in this match. Uh, although it's easy to think there was only one. I have to say, his press conference, there's moments when you just can't quite believe what you're seeing. Uh, he came in, and, and as is um, the rule now, the first question is just the moderator um, saying, you know, here you go, toss one up for them, give us your thoughts on the match. He said, I enjoyed my tennis today, I enjoyed the atmosphere, I enjoyed the way I fought and tried to find solutions to be in control. A bit disappointed with some of the things that went down, especially when they're repetitive, over and over again. Starts to get difficult to ignore in a way. Yeah, it felt kind of a circus in a way, and we all thought, okay, is is he like is he off the long run here, or is he is that as much as he's going to say? Turns out he was massively off the long run. Um, he says he's played him a lot. He doesn't think he'd ever played a match with him where he's behaving that way. Constant talking and complaining. Uh, we're there to play tennis, not have conversations. The referee's not going to change his mind, which I thought was a good point. And then the the line that kind of became the calling card for all the stories for the next 24 hours he says he was asked um yeah i saw you miss hit a backhand and he shouted good shot what was your reaction and he said it's constant bullying that's what he does he bullies the opponents he was probably a bully at school himself i don't like bullies i don't like people that put other people down he's got some good traits in his character as well but he also has a very evil side to him which, if it's exposed, it can redo a lot of harm and bad to the people around him. Um, when that was put to Kyrgios, he said that was soft. Um, and if that, you know, he said that Sitsipas has some serious issues. He came up with a very Donald Trump-esque line uh, about being popular in the locker room. Uh, he said, I think he's just making the match about me. He's got some serious issues. I'm good in the locker room. I've got many friends, just to let you know. I'm actually one of the most liked I'm set. He's not liked. Let's just put that out there. I mean, he might as well have said, many people are saying that I have many friends and the most friends, the best friends. It was so Trumpian. Um, Do you think Stefano Tsitsipas is being soft here, Calvin? Um, 
I don't know if soft is the word in that context. In in terms of what he said after the match, I, they're different characters, aren't they? Mm. Stefanos, I, I, I'm not his biggest fan, the way he reacts and that, but he's, he's kind of a bit airy-fairy, isn't he? It's a bit... <laughs> kind of a bit like a hippie in that regard. <laughs> and I'd not actually, we'd had a brief discussion uh, before about this, using this word soft. Um, I've I've changed my mind on it there, having heard the full quote from you, James. I, I don't think what he said there is a bit soft, but I think on the court, if he was letting it affect him there, then I would say that is soft. Mm. And I think he did, like, you know, when he was just... There was a period of the match where the only thing he was trying to do was make first serves and hit Kyrgios with the ball. Um, and actually, <laughs> someone asked him, like, you you tried to hit him several times. Why? And he said, just to stop. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I think as well, the, the use of the word bullying, I don't necessarily agree with that. Because mm. it's a strange one, isn't it? I don't know if Kyrgios had... If if Kyrgios had done all of that in order to get in City Pass's head, I would be thinking that is sort of quite smart and mm. he's riding the line. But I don't think Kyrgios is doing that. He's just nuts. Yeah. And it, it's just a petulance on his part. Um, and I would say that it is soft to let an opponent bring you down to that level. Yeah. Where you've you're no longer I, I always say that. Mental toughness is playing every ball on its merit. I say I always say it's actually Steve War who said it, um, <laughs> but I just kind of nicked it. He's playing every ball on its merit, and on that basis, he's not being mentally tough because he's not. If he's trying to hit him rather than pass him, mm. he's not playing every ball on its merit. Yeah, and I think that's very reasonable. And I think also, I think we forget Stefan Sitsipas is twenty three. Like he is still pretty young, and I'm not using this as an excuse. I'm just saying. He is a young guy, and some young guys don't have, you know, he is amazingly the younger man in that matchup, which it takes a lot to think about. Um, I think he should have known that was coming. The way Nick's behaved this week, the way, I mean, Nick beat him a couple of weeks ago as well, as Kyrgios was at pains to point out, saying, oh, um, you know, he's probably just upset that I beat him again. I'd be angry if I lost to someone two weeks in a row, which I mean, Kyrgios has done multiple times, but anyway. Um, he. <laughs> I do think he should have seen it coming and had a plan. And, you know, I have seen Apostolos and Mark Philippoussis having a lot of conversations this week. I know Philippoussis has been offering a lot of advice and he was in the box last night. And I think the biggest thing that... And I don't know if either of them even thought about it. I think they were maybe so focused on their own game. And I heard them talking tennis and they were very focused just on the game. I wonder if they ever even had a conversation that said... Just by the way, what do we do if like Kyrgios has a meltdown? Because because I do think you need to plan for that, don't you? Would you not? If you were preparing a player to play Kyrgios and you know that the player maybe isn't the toughest guy mentally, would you not be like, listen, how are we going to negotiate that? I'd be amazed if they didn't. I'd be amazed if they didn't have a conversation going, look, we know what's going to happen. Mm. He does it all the time. It's not, yeah. it's not if, James. It's not if. Kyrgios has a meltdown when Kyrgios yeah. has a meltdown he has one in every game every match he plays unless he wins 6-2 6-1 6-2 and he still often has them in that circumstance yeah um but yeah I'd, I'd be amazed there I think Kyrgios is kind of like he's kind of got an easy run here because there's not many mentally tough players around mm. to be honest like he like this this nonsense that he does he it won't work against Nadal won't work no. against Djokovic it won't work against even you know even we go the next one it doesn't work against Murray he was trying this. He was he was doing this sort of nonsense two weeks ago against Murray, and Murray just polished him off. Yeah, it, it wouldn't work against Del Potro mm. or Stan Wawrinka. Mm. Um, interesting that you mentioned Nadal, and maybe this gives us a, an easy segue to. I mean, we could literally spend an hour talking about Kyrgios and Tsitsipas because it, it's you know it's valuable and it's interesting. But Nadal did have some drama last night. While almost everyone was watching Kyrgios Sitspas, Nadal was absolutely demolishing Lorenzo Sanego, 6-1-6-2-6-4. But there was some, um, well, I don't know, unhappiness at 4-all. And Rafa came to the net and had an elongated conversation with Lorenzo Sanego, who then eventually just walked off uh, because he had lost. And Rafa said afterwards, he said, look, I have to say I was in the wrong uh, I should not call him to the net, so I apologise for that. My mistake, no problem, I recognise that. Um, all the stuff during the match, I don't want to comment because I spoke to him in the locker room 
and that stays there. The only thing I can say is I saw him personally and apologised for that. Um, basically, he was complaining about Lorenzo Sinego's grunt, which, I mean, at the best of times is an elongated grunt. And uh, I think Rafa felt that it was elongated too much uh, and that it was causing a hindrance. The umpire, of course, didn't agree and hadn't uh, didn't call a hindrance. But um, Calvin, elongated grunting, I mean, people do it, don't they? Yeah, you see it more when you're there. What cracks me up is when people do it on the practice court. Um, <laughs> I've heard many different grunts over the last couple of weeks. The worst grunts, I, I've not seen, I can't bring, I can't recall Sonegos, to be fair. I haven't seen it. What astonishes me, though, is grunts after the ball has been hit. Mm. And you know, you get a lot of players who do this. And it, it, it seems to me like it's there for nothing other than to piss the opponent off. Yeah. It, I've sometimes heard someone claim that, like, by grunting when you hit it, you can disguise your shot more. Like, because you can disguise the noise it makes off the racket. I don't think that's got any weight to it, to <laughs> no. be honest. I think some players, you know, players, some players do grunt a lot and mm. some don't. Mm. And it's a natural that they, that, 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 they, that they grunt. I mean, like, Liam Brody, like, you could be playing table tennis with him and I swear he'd get a grunt out because he's the same <laughs> grunt all the time. It's just something he does it from the first ball in practice. Yeah. But it's a natural grunt. But you also get other players, like I say, who are doing it. It happens, I guess, a lot more on the in the women's game. They do it specifically. I th I think they do it just to, to wind the opponent up. Mm. I mean, I seem to remember, Calvin, you saying a player you work with, you actually encouraged them to grunt a bit more just, just to create a bit more aggression. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, I've done that before. Yeah. Um, but a natural one, you know, yeah. just when, when, when they're hitting it, it just seems like, yeah, just like like you say, it just feels like it's a more an, a, more of an aggressive shot if you do that i guess but... there's a physiology to it like because you know if you when you're weightlifting and stuff you, you're supposed to breathe in and then breathe out as yeah. you exert and you know in boxing yeah. people maybe don't know this but some fighters you'll see when they throw a punch you'll hear a noise like a tss, 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 and people think it's the noise of the gloves or the you know the landing it's not it's the boxer with their mouth yeah. going tss, tss, because it forces you to exhale as you throw the punch and it, it forces you to regulate your breathing in terms of exertion. Which is... Well, you, we always try and, and I always encourage players to breathe. Mm. The, the, the breathing is hugely important in, in tennis shots. You can't, yeah, <laughs> Sorry, just in, li in life in general. It's really important. important. I've always said that. I've always been a big fan of breathing. <laughs> That's another Trump comment from me. That <laughs> I'm the best um, breather. I do so much breathing. Yeah. I'm so good at it. It's so Some important. people say I invented breathing. Um, <laughs> but um, no, you can't look. The, the breath that you take as you hit the ball dictates how hard you swing at the ball. And if any listeners want to try it, you can't swing hard and breathe slowly. It's impossible and vice versa. Like okay. you, you just can't. And so what happens is when players hold their breath, often when they're nervous, they're not releasing the arm on the shot as much mm. as they need to be. Mm. Interesting. Um, I, do you think it's significant that Nadal, like that he, he did get a bit wound up and then admitted afterwards that he had, you know, he shouldn't have said anything like, I can't really remember him ever being like, yep, nope, sorry, I sort of um, I lost my cool there a bit, and I, I'm sorry about that. I think he does a bit of that, but all those best players, you know, and I feel like it might be a bit of double standards here because I'm giving the Dal a no, I'm not giving the Dal any sort of pass, but you get into the the competitive mindset and you say things occasionally that you shouldn't say. I think it's Roy Keane's quote that you 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 shouldn't ever be competing in a set st stable sane mindset. And, <laughs> he certainly and I, never did. Yeah, but I I think that there is an element of truth about that. Mm. Um and with Nadal it, it would be the case. You you can't play like Nadal does and be thinking in a a stable normal yeah. mindset. And I think to to just to sort of come back on any double standards accusations, we there is slack in the rope. You know, we, we mm. allow people to, to have a bit of, you know, give and take. Yeah. But Kyrgios just oversteps that line by quite so much that it's... Um... It does it every time as well. Yeah. Like every, yeah, every match. I, I will say this. So I don't want to sort of spend too much time going back to Kyrgios and Tsitsipas or Tsitsipas in particular, but he's straddled the rules quite a bit now. And I think something... I don't want to give him too much of a free pass. We have a go at um, Kyrgios a lot. There's all he's get Sitsipas is kind of getting to that territory as well, isn't he? With it mm. with his toilet breaks and 
hitting the balls out, hitting the balls into the crowd and that kind of thing. There's an, there's certainly an element of being a bit of a spoilt child themselves uh, w- within that. Um, I mean, I actually, on, on that, I saw him in the restaurant the other day with his mum tucking his serviette into his front of his shirt for oh, him goodness. while he was eating. Oh, no. So, which was a bit... <laughs> Bit of a str- there was actually only me. It was late on one night. There was only me and him left in the restaurant, and his mum and his mum came across while he was eating and started tucking his bib in for him, which was oh my god, really odd. <laughs> I mean, I have heard sort of talking to people about the Sitzpost family, and I'm often like, oh, Apostolos, he's a bit much, isn't he? And quite a lot of them say, yeah, you've not met his mother, um, which maybe says something. But yeah, I don't know. I'm always I always take that stuff with a pinch of salt. But you know, there is there is some. Uh, Maybe some truth to it. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Jumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Jumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, let, let's move on because, incredibly, Igor Shontek lost a tennis match yesterday, and it's about the fourth biggest story of the day. Um, <laughs> absolutely remarkable. Uh, Igor Shontek going down to Elise Cornet in three sets. Uh, Thirty-seven matches her unbeaten streak has ended at. Um, sorry, she didn't go down three sets. She very much went down straight sets. Six four six two. It says a lot about how much happened yesterday that I literally watched every ball of that match and I couldn't remember the score. Um, Shrontek was well, I think, well off her best. I think she would admit that. She said that she had never in practice or in matches felt that comfortable during this grass court swing. Um, Elise Cornet, of course, who shocked Serena Williams eight, eight years almost exactly uh, on the same day of Wimbledon, it was middle Saturday, she beat top seed Serena Williams on the same court as well. It was on number one. She once again did it, beating uh, Iga Shontek 6-4, 6-2. Um, she's 32 years old, Calvin. She said, I'm like a, in France we say a good wine ages well, and I'm like a good wine. Um, she insisted she wouldn't be having any wine to celebrate. I mean, a li- <laughs> I know we say that women's tennis is a bit nuts at the moment, but... You know, the one thing we used to be able to rely on was that Iga Shontek would win matches. I guess it does show that grass is a bit different and, and is a bit of a leveller and, you know, that Shontek isn't the force that she is elsewhere on grass. Um, I don't know if the grass was the cause of it. She's a good grass court player. I think, it, you know, she you can lose matches. It just sometimes happens. Um, I, Cornet, I didn't expect it to happen to Cornet, but 37 in a row is some run, to be yeah. fair. And I, you know, I, I bang on about the inconsistency in the women's game so much, but I think if there's one person who we can give a give a free pass on it, it's Fontek. Hmm. Um, the women's draw is interesting now, though, isn't it? Well, I don't know if interesting is the word. I mean, there's a bit of a risk that the women's draw, you know, we again, to come back yeah. to what you were saying about inconsistency in the women's game, like there's a risk we might get like, Tatiana Maria against Jules Niemeyer and like Elise Mertens against Caroline Garcia as the two bottom half quarterfinals, which, you know, I like all of those players. I like Jules Niemeyer. She's a really interesting player. She's got an absolutely monster serve. Um, You know, Caroline Garcia's played very well. Caroline Garcia, by the way, 
is great to watch. I mean, I've said this a couple of times on Podlets. She's really good to watch. She comes forward. She serves really well. But I think, I'll tell you who I think the draw is wide open for, Calvin. Yelena Ostapenko. And I don't think anyone can disagree that that. Imagine a world where Yelena Ostapenko and Nick Kyrgios win Wimbledon and tell me that that isn't at very least amusing. I mean, do, do they still do the thing where they've got to dance? Because if they do, yes. I imagine those two arguing, <laughs> causing a row with each other. <laughs> no, my hand goes on top. No, your hand goes No, my, no, no, no. Look, this hand goes on. We're going back. No, we're going forward. Yeah. Curious telling great. everyone that no one else knows how to dance other than him. And <laughs> his, his basketball mates are the best dancers. Ostapenko wanted to take a break because she's got an injury. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm just looking at the draw here. There's only. I mean, Halep's still left in there. Who's got, what, two? And Ostapenko's got one slam. Mm. No one else. So we're looking at another another tournament with another first-time slam winner. Yeah. Which but I don't uh, think Halep's going to win it. I mean, it, it's wide open for Ons Jabeur, isn't it? I mean, she, she has, she's got Elise Mertens in the fourth round, and then she either plays Garcia or Buzkova, and then probably Yelena Ostapenko in the semifinals. I, I mean, mean that... looking at it, you'd think it's probably Badosa and Jabeur in the final. Interesting, Bedosa. I mean, she's beaten. She beat, beat Petra Kvitova uh, on centre yesterday in a pretty close match. And to be honest, Petra Kvitova didn't handle the nerves particularly yeah, I saw well. That. I and saw she, some of that. And she, you know, she talks about it like pretty openly. She's like, "Look, tennis is really hard for me. I get really nervous, and I just don't know if I believe Bedosa on grass yet." I think that's my main. No, I, I think that's a fair comment. Um, I mean, it's just strange, isn't it? It's hearing Petra Kvitova say she, she struggles with tennis, and I think what she got three slams. Two. <laughs> I, yeah, um, I mean two. Yeah. yeah, one of the best players of all time. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, and this Imova could make the final. I mean, there's certain players who I I say I'd be shocked if they win it, but it's women's tennis. Mm. Like I don't think Corne, Tomljanovic. Martic, Rabakina, Tan, Buskova, Garcia, Mertens, Maria, Watson or Neymar are winning it. Yeah. So that, who it, does that leave you? It come, it leaves with Jabor, Anisimova, Halep, Bedosa. That's it. I think it's mm. going to be one of those four. Jabor is the only one of those in the bottom half, so we think that she is probably going to make the final. Albeit, I, I still think Ostapenko has got a real chance when she when she plays the, her, her best. She's played a lot on grass this swing. She's very comfortable on grass. Her game suits it, and I appreciate that the grass here is not what it used to be, but I do think her game suits it. She's made the semi-finals here before. Um, I think Anisimova is an interesting one. She beat Coco Goff yesterday, six seven. Six two six one. I mean, basically, Calvin. I think we know that this can happen. The the Coco Golf forehand just went to pieces, um, which is possible, right? Yeah, Anisimova can play. You can make an argument she's, that she's the best player left in the draw, but um, uh, I, whether she holds it together or not is a different matter. I think she is going to win a slam at some stage. It it might be now. Hmm. Someone said to me yesterday that Anna. I, <laughs> someone who will remain nameless, that Amanda Anisimova doesn't pass the Turing test. Uh, the Turing test is a series of questions by which you differentiate robots from humans. It's, a, it's right. basically things that you ask artificial intelligence to, to see if they're capable of being a human being. And uh, they reckon that Anisimova did not pass that test. I mean, she is, for someone who's got such an interesting story and who clearly you know, has a lot of emotions, she doesn't half hide them. I mean, I've not actually heard her talk. That surprises me because she seems, as I've commented before, she certainly has a quite an active social life as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, she literally said the other day, we said, oh, did you watch? She's playing Harmony Tan in the next round. And someone said, did you watch Serena against Harmony Tan? She's like, yeah, I watched it in The Dog and Fox, which <laughs> for anyone who doesn't know is a big pub in Wimbledon Village. Yeah. Um, I didn't inquire as to whether she was drinking or not. I assume she wasn't. Um, but just like on a number of occasions, so someone said, oh, you're going to play on the 4th of July. And Amanda said, wait, what? When's that? And he was like, oh, it's Monday, the 4th. And she was like, oh yeah, I'll be playing then. It's pretty exciting, I guess. Maybe my friends back home will have a party and watch my match. That's pretty cool. <laughs> it's just like, okay, someone asked her something different. Asked her about the Serena match. She was like, I was in the pub. Which like most players, that's like, okay, great. A good jumping off point for a story. And she's like, nope, 
nothing more. Someone said, think... oh, what about playing on Middle Sunday? And she said, what? What do you mean Middle Sunday? No one plays on Sunday? And they're like, no, it's the first time they've scheduled matches on Sunday this year. She's like, so normally they wouldn't play. I don't know. Maybe she's just usually out of Wimbledon by then. But Yeah. I, I, I mean, she's IMG, and I think they now they, they just drill media training into them so much. They mm. call it media training, but it's basically don't tell anyone anything yeah. ever and never yeah. say anything that might be deemed interesting ever. Yeah. Um, so I, I'd be surprised if she's like that in person, I think. I mean, I, I've, she seems like pretty popular. So yeah. mm. it, it's interesting as well. We, we had a conversation with someone about it last night and, you know, Anna Samova is one of the young ones. And it was in contrast to Elise Cornet's press conference from earlier in the day when she was so, I mean, okay, she's just beaten the world number one. Like, it's obviously a big moment, but she was so effusive and so comfortable and I guess that comes with age. You know, she's 32. She's been playing, I think it's her 63rd Grand Slam. You know, she's been around the block and maybe just knows herself a bit better and is able to do it. Um, I think it's... I don't know about that. I think, it, again, I come back to the, the Anissa Movers with IMG. She's of that generation where the age, the management get hold of them. And it's it's whether you're comfortable having an opinion. On, on anything or not and if you're comfortable having an opinion then you're quite open to talk about things and Corne, as we've seen I don't agree with everything she says but I always find her intriguing interesting when she speaks mm. she has no problem having an opinion yeah. whereas I think certain people I don't know Anissa Mova but I always think with, with Emma Raducanu it, that there's, there almost seems a desire to not have an opinion about anything yeah yeah it's a fear of it's a fear of being caught out or, or sort of you know getting yeah. it wrong yeah, and I um, think that's that's a generational thing. I think with social media as well, that's not to criticise yeah. the players too much. They know that whatever happens, people are going to jump on them and say things, take things out of context. Often, yeah. Will Smith said something. I mean, I don't like Will Smith these days, but he said something interesting uh, a few years ago when he said, "God, I'm glad there wasn't social media when I was a kid. I don't think kids behave differently. You just see it all now." Um, which pretty much sums it up. I mean, he then, you know, slapped a man in front of the world. So I... <laughs> it's, it's funny, actually, that, that same conversation. I was I was out with a, a mate of mine last night. He was saying that his, um, this is a mate who has behaved pretty badly in the past. Nothing majorly, just he's pretty obnoxious. Not Boris and was, Becker. <laughs> no, and he was saying that he, he'd, him and his wife, who was also out, had found, seen this their 15-year-old daughter's Instagram where she was put, sticking a middle finger up and he was absolutely livid about it. And me and the rest of my mates were like, did you see you at 50? <laughs> he was like, well, I wasn't on Instagram doing it. No, because it wasn't around then. <laughs> um, right. I've just seen a comment on Twitter from uh, Daz Robertson, who I'm going to read out because I know for a fact he won't be listening now. Uh, I was asked by Kimmy, uh, who's a, a big fan, Kimberly Woodard. Um, she said, I'm afraid, I'm afraid to listen to tonight's podlet, although I'm sure that she will be. Uh, and Dad says, they're always so anti-Kyrgios. As soon as they mention his name, I stop listening because I know it's going to be completely biased and unbalanced. I'm, I'm just going to ignore that. I just wanted to read it out. If you think we've been biased or unbalanced, let us know at Love Tennis Pod on Twitter. Um, we're actually allowed to have an opinion. That's one of the great things about not working yeah. with BBC is that um, we're allowed to have an opinion. I'm just going to take a pause for a minute because my, um, my lovely partner, um, my better half, has decided this is the moment to do some hoovering. And I'm just going to point out that it's not great for sound quality. Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Hi, it's me again, but in a slightly different guise in a slightly different place. I should, of course, mention that if you really want to be Nick Kyrgios, and after last night, maybe you do, maybe you don't, you can always play as him on Matchpoint Tennis Championships. It's out on the 7th of July. You can pre-order it right now from game, or you can buy it when it comes out. But, you know, if you pre-order it, you're ahead of the game. So I would recommend doing that. And you too can play as Nick Kyrgios. I've played the game quite a bit. I've actually not had much of a chance to play it this week because I've been a little bit busy, but it's a really good game. I wouldn't be doing this if I thought it wasn't. George has played it as well and, and really enjoyed it. So please do give Matchpoint Tennis Championships a go on Xbox, PlayStation 4 and 5. Uh, it's on Xbox Game Pass, so it's even on PC. And you can game online cross-platform as well, so you can play against your friends all over the world, no matter what console they've got. And if you DM me in the next week, when it comes out on the 7th of July, we'll have a game online. And I don't know, maybe we'll stream it or something like that, if I can work out how. 
Right, that's that sorted. I'm sure I'll get an earful about that. Um, let's have a quick look forward to today. We've got about 10 minutes left, um, and there's a full set of fourth-round matches. As I say, it's middle Sunday. Usually this is my day off. Uh, I usually go to the media tennis tournament, which is still happening, but they started at half eight this morning, and I certainly wasn't going to play tennis at half eight. Honestly. Who's the favourite in that game? Uh, that's a great question. I think the Italians are quite good, although they're all quite old these days. Oh, it's a it's a multinational one then. Oh yeah, it is. I mean, right, okay. it is competitive. And do the um, former players who are now journalists do they get? I wondered. Or? I did wonder whether you know, like Tim was going to play, but they don't usually, because I mean that would be unfair. Because like, I imagine Tim's in pretty good nick still, and is obviously quite good. You know, I, I mean, Matt, Matt's, I imagine, still hits a good ball. <laughs> Matt's Philander. Um, <laughs> yeah, quite possibly. Uh, Johnny Mike will still be pretty good as well. Yeah, but just, I think just age catches up with these guys. I think, you know, I, I, I could take Johnny Mac deep. You know, I, I'd take him into deep water, <laughs> um, you know, and, and, and really, you know, deep in the fifth. Is Johnny Mac still going to have it? I don't know. I, I reckon Johnny Mac cleans up everyone in that media contest <laughs> comfortably. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, uh, there is some real tennis going on as well today. Uh, Centre court's lineup is Heather Watson against Jewel Niemeyer, Yannick Sinner against Carlos Alcaraz, and Djokovic against the wildcard Tim Van Rechthoven. Um, Calvin, we should we should talk about Heather Watson because we've not talked about her a lot. She's into the fourth round for the first time. The age of thirty. She's had a decent draw, but she's also played pretty well. Um, it's a it's a pretty dreamy draw to face uh, an unseeded player in the fourth round as well. I mean, talk us. Talk to us a little bit about Heather. She's obviously been around British tennis for an awful long time. Yeah. Um, I mean, one of the things I'll say for Heather is the the British females, they famously struggle with injuries, and Heather's mm. one who tends not to. Yeah. She's, she's always, she always likes to compete. She's fit most of the time. Um, she's had, I think it's fair to say she's made the most of her talents. Right. I think, you know, I don't think anyone would say she's underachieved. Um, she's had issues with nerves, obviously, in the past. But, yeah, it was good to see her win the other day because I think she's had some, especially when she was, what did she go, 5-love, and then it went to 5-2. Yeah, she served and, for the match and yeah. got very nervy. And and she's lost a few matches at Wimbledon before, having been well on top. And, mm. I mean, she, she famously had match points against Serena mm. and lost the match too. Mm. Um. She's up against Jewel Niemeyer, who we would expect her to beat, um, I'm sure, because realistically she's probably a better player. I mean, you say, just to, to pick you up on, you know, she says she hasn't underachieved. She's got a career-high ranking of 39. Is that... Uh, not 39, beg pardon, 38. Um, is that probably about about as good as, as it gets? Yeah, I, th- I think so. Um, I, yeah, she's, she's always... She's, had nice, she's got nice touch solid shots she's never really had any huge weapons mm. and it's one of those it's strange isn't it in the women's game because 38 would also win win you a slam <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, quite possibly. You know, so you can say that she's yeah she probably has been um that probably is around about where she's mm. she's always fitted in i would say yeah yeah she's also played an awful lot of tennis this week by the way she played singles on every single one of the first five days because her match against Tamara Korpach hung over from Monday to Tuesday. Her match against Wang, who's coached by Pat Cash, hung over from Wednesday to Thursday. And then she played third round on Friday. Uh, and she played doubles yesterday. So she's not had many days off, quite frankly. But um, we spoke to her on Friday and she seemed to be loving life. And I don't think, uh, I don't think it worries her too much that she's playing an awful lot of tennis. Um Yannick Sinner against Carlos Alcaraz, Calvin. It's almost a sort of bet on Derby, really, given that they're two young players you've been backing for a long time. Um, not two guys we'd necessarily associate with the grass a huge amount either. Uh, no, but as I keep saying, these are barely grass courts. Mm. So it um, doesn't surprise me that they're both in, at, at this stage. Um, Who would you pick to win that at this stage? Alcaraz, I would think. He's got more to his game. Mm. Um and then so, he will play potentially Djokovic in the quarterfinal, um, assuming Djokovic comes through Tim van Richthofen. Which, I mean, do you think he can take a set off him, or, or more, or more? I think he would fancy that's you know fifty-fifty in his mind. Mm. Um, but then players always do. Yeah, but I think you know, I think he'd be disappointed if he only won a set. I think he could be close. You never know with with how the sets go. Mm. Um, 
you know, but you can make Djokovic favourite, obviously, but um, it'd be a good match, I would think. Just yeah. because, like I say, it's basically a hard court. Hmm. Um, number one court lineup today Tatiana Maria against Yelena Ostapenko, who we've spoken about already. Cam Norrie against Tommy Paul. Elise Mertens against Onsjibor. I mean, I'm pretty staggered, Calvin, that like that there are only two Brits in action today, and uh, you know the British number one man is is on number one court. I'm, he's only played on centre once in four matches. This, I, this this tournament and this club, they're just ridiculous in their their desire, their obsessiveness to let everyone know that they don't favour Brits mm. is just getting ludicrous now. Yeah. Putting, like, having Katie Bolter on, in hindsight, probably wasn't a terrible decision. Um, having Katie Bolter on court two yesterday and not using all the wild cards yeah. and putting Norrie on, on number one. I, it's, well, I don't even know what they're trying to do. Yeah. It's, it's just ludicrous. I think... So the only thing I would say is I don't think Sinner or Alcaraz have played on centre at all this tournament. Um, obviously, Djokovic plays on centre. Although, am I not right in thinking they usually rotate Djokovic out to one for one match in the first week? They'll usually do that, yeah. And they um, haven't they... done that for Djokovic or Nadal this year. Uh, yeah, that's I mean, ticket, tickets are record expensive this year on centre. And I wonder if that has played an element. Like, you know... If you if you pay for a centre court ticket, you get neither Djokovic or Nadal. Maybe you're a bit annoyed. I don't know. Yeah, um, I mean, I yeah. Whereas previous also... years they had Rod, like Federer and Murray and Nadal and Djokovic. Yeah, that, so that's why them. they've rotated them. You always yeah. had somebody else who you could do that with, um, mm. and it doesn't really make sense if they're both playing. Yeah, they they might as well play on centre. But I find it ludicrous that Cam's not being put on there. Yeah. British number one. He's a top ten player, and you know. We're sticking yeah. him on. I mean, court one's hardly rubbish, but no, that's the thing. I think to a large extent, court one is basically the same. But there's there's a prestige thing. There's an element as well that you know, court one tickets are not cheap. That no. you, you know, you you people on there want to see some some good names. You can't just stick stick rubbish on there. But mm. not that there's any rubbish left in the tournament at this mm. stage. But you're paying, yeah, you're paying more than a hundred quid for a court one ticket today. Absolutely yeah. guaranteed. Um, just quickly, because you know the match may be over by the time people hear this podcast, but Tommy Paul, Cam Norrie, I mean, I think Tommy Paul's got a chance there. Yeah, I think it'd be a decent match. I'd favour Cam to win, though. I think he looks pretty good. He's looking pretty good. And I think you said the other day, looking at semi-final, isn't he? Mm, yeah, I mean, it's hard to see him not making a semi-final at this point. But it's also getting to that stage where, like, again, we come to the Liam Brody thing again that we spoke about the other day, that what stage do you start getting a bit pissed off that there's no ranking points? <laughs> Make a semi-final of a slam and you're just not getting anything from it other than the money. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. we've barely talked about Liam Brody. I talked about him a lot yesterday and, and we'll certainly maybe chat about him a bit later on. I'm hoping that he might um, come on the pod in a couple of weeks' time. Um, it's certainly been mooted, so fingers crossed. Okay. Um, two more singles matches uh, today. Marie Buzkova out on court two against Caroline Garcia, and then David Goffin against Francis Tiafo. I mean, I've got Francis Tiafo in fantasy, Calvin. He's actually one of only two players I've got left. Um, it's been absolute carnage. Um, you know, he's a, as you say, these aren't really grass courts, they're hard courts, but they are a bit grassy and they hurt less when he chucks himself around. Um, I mean, he's kind of, I feel like he's come under the radar a bit and all of a sudden he's got a very winnable fourth round match and he's into a Wimbledon quarterfinal against probably Cam Norrie. I mean, he he must be sitting there thinking, I've got a massive chance here. Yeah, he's, he's stealth a very good grass court player, actually, mm. even though I say that they're not really grass courts. But um, he's pretty decent. His game sort of matches up quite well to the grass. Decent serve, flat shots, which always help. Um, good slice, volleys quite well. He's, um, yeah, he's... he's he, he can play on the grass and he's, he's very much under the radar I think he's mm. that might be a tough match for Cam mm. against TFO and I think it's interesting the sort of gradient he's been on because he and he's done this with the clay he like he was like right I'm going to play a proper swing and he, he played Queens and he played Eastbourne and the problem is he lost in the first round of both but he had pretty horrific draws he had Stan Wawrinka in the first round of Queens and lost two out of three tie breaks um, and then he had Alexander Bublik in the first round of Eastbourne uh, and funnily enough, he beat Bublik in the third round here, so he's turned that match up around a bit. Uh, he is serving very well. I was looking at serving stats of the day, and he's pretty high up there um, in terms of effectiveness on serve. So, yeah, interesting to see if he makes it through and how he might match up with Cam. 
I think that's all we've got time for today. It felt like one of those days when we could talk for hours and hours. George Belshaw hasn't appeared, um, so we await with interest to hear the story of where he's been. Uh, and uh, as always, please do leave us a rating, a review, and uh, most importantly, come back tomorrow. Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.